from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that pays tribute to people of the past by telling their stories today. I'm Gabe Lusier, and today we're looking at one of the worst maritime tragedies of the 20th century, a clear case of negligence and criminal complacency that claimed the lives of nearly 200 innocent people. As you've likely gleaned, today's episode deals with a subject that may be upsetting for some listeners. The day was March 6th. 1987. The Herald of Free Enterprise Ferry capsized shortly after leaving the Zeebrugge Harbor in Belgium. Many of the 543 people on board the Herald were hurled into the sea and quickly drowned in the frigid 30-foot deep water. Others were trapped inside the flooded ship, which had tipped onto its port side and settled onto a sandbar. By the time the last survivor was rescued more than a day later, 193 lives had been lost. The scope of the disaster and the speed with which it unfolded were staggering, but the most appalling thing about the wreck of the Herald was the ease with which it could have been avoided. For its time, the MS Herald of Free Enterprise was a modern, state-of-the-art ferry. The British ship weighed 8,000 tons, had eight vertical decks, and was capable of carrying both passengers and vehicles. The Herald was what's known as a roll-on, roll-off ferry, or a row-row. It had been specially designed to allow cars, trucks, and buses to drive on and off the ship as quickly and easily as possible. That ability to load and unload rapidly was crucial due to the highly competitive nature of the ship's route across the English Channel. On most days, the ferry ran back and forth between Dover, England, and Calais, France, a journey that took about an hour and a half each way. 
However, in March of 1987, the Herald was transferred into service on the Zeebrugge-Belgium-to-Dover route. Its clientele remained largely the same, though, consisting mostly of truck drivers, commuters, and day-trippers. In the early evening of March 6th, the Herald set out from Zeebrugge Harbor bound for Dover on one of its first few trips along that route. It was carrying 459 passengers and 80 crew members, as well as 81 cars, 47 trucks, and 3 buses. The ship was already running late when it departed Belgium, having raised its anchor about 20 minutes behind schedule. But the crew of the Herald had an unofficial system in place to help make up that time. Once all the vehicles had been loaded, the crew would leave the bow doors open as they left port, and then close them up while the ship was moving. The practice allowed the ship to cast off more quickly, but since it was a flat-bottom boat, it also allowed water to flow right into the ferry. This generally wasn't a problem, as the crew had always gotten the bow doors closed well before the ship took on a substantial amount of water. However, it was still an incredibly reckless practice, and everyone involved knew it. In fact, the ferry's owners, the Townsend Thorison Company, and its operators, P&O, had both been warned multiple times about the danger of open bow doors. Yet neither party did anything to curb the practice. Instead, they downplayed the risk and claimed it was up to the captain and crew to decide how the ship should be run. Leaving the doors open had never led to any problems before, and management was willing to gamble that it never would. On March 6, 1987, Townsend Thorison and P&O lost that bet, but it was the Herald's passengers who paid the price. On that fateful night, assistant bosun Mark Stanley was asleep in his bunk when the ferry departed. It was his job to close the Herald's two bow doors before the ship reached the open sea, but since the doors were always left open while the ship made its way through the harbor, he got to stay in his bunk a little longer. Unfortunately, for everyone on board that evening, Stanley slept through his alarm. Bosun Terence Ailing could have shut the doors himself, but since he had already delegated the task, he didn't check to make sure it had been done. First Chief Officer Leslie Sable also could have picked up Stanley's slack. After all, one of his duties was to confirm the doors had been closed. But in the end, nobody noticed the doors had been left open until 20 minutes into the trip. By that point, the Herald was steadily gaining speed as it pushed into the sea. Crew members, now wise to the problem, tried frantically to close the doors. They pounded them with hammers as more and more water flooded into the cargo hold, but it was no use. The torrent of waves had made them impossible to close. If Captain David Lurie had known what was happening, he could have reduced speed and readied the lifeboats, but he was basically sailing blind with no view of the bow doors and no way to communicate with the deck crew. That operational flaw had been pointed out before and would have been an easy fix. All they needed was an indicator light or even just a bell, some way to tell the captain that the doors had been closed. But again, the ferry's onshore managers didn't think the risk was worth even that small effort. It's baffling to think how they could have reached that conclusion, knowing, as they no doubt did, that roll-on, roll-off ferries are characteristically unstable. As flat-bottom vessels, they're great for carrying heavy loads across fairly shallow waterways, 
But since most of the ship and its cargo is above the waterline, it also means they're easier to tip over if their weight becomes unbalanced. That's exactly what happened as the speeding ship began to take on water and the heavy vehicles it carried began to shift around. One of the ship's officers on duty that night was Stephen Homewood. He survived the ordeal and later wrote a detailed account of his experience, titled Zeebrugge, A Hero's Story. In one section, Homewood explained why the ship keeled over and how it came to rest on a sandbank, writing, quote, We had gone out of harbor with a gaping hole in the bow caused by open doors. She was also loaded and tilted three foot extra at the front due to extra ballast. As her speed increased, the bow door ramp was pushed into the water, scooping up every bow wave, and so allowing hundreds and thousands of gallons of seawater to pour in. This water settled on the port side, causing that first roll. Briefly, the ship then steadied, but as more water rushed in, the extra weight sent the ship into its final death roll. Floating on its side for a minute, it soon, and providentially, settled on the sandbank that mercifully saved the ship from turning completely turtle. It took less than two minutes for the Herald to capsize, leaving no time to send an SOS, to lower the lifeboats, or even to distribute life jackets. Some passengers did manage to grab onto life preservers, though, which kept them afloat until rescuers arrived. Many other passengers remained trapped inside the Herald, which lay half-submerged in freezing cold water. Divers from the British and Belgian navies worked as fast as they could to reach them, but in the end, most of the casualties were people who died from hypothermia while waiting to be rescued. Among the survivors were Captain Lurie, Chief Officer Sable, and Assistant Boatswain Mark Stanley. Lurie and Sable were both suspended from service for their lax approach to safety, though only for one and two years respectively. During a public court of inquiry into the disaster, the company that owned the ferry, Townsend Thorison, was condemned for its, quote, staggering complacency and for the disease of sloppiness that had infected its hierarchy. When the inquest was complete, seven people at that company were charged with gross negligence manslaughter, and the ferry's operating company, P&O, was charged with corporate manslaughter. However, in a grim turn that you probably saw coming, all of the cases eventually collapsed at trial, and no one at either company was ever held accountable. One positive effect of the disaster, possibly the only one, is that it led to the development of new and more extensive safety regulations for cross-channel ferries. This included things like watertight ramps and bow door indicators, life-saving features that should have been in place all along. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any feedback or suggestions you'd like to share, feel free to pass them along by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 